five is a wax work every day and I don't want it to go away when I want entertainment it gives me some I got a saint red tattoo on my bum When I go through with all fits, I need your naughty bits and other gits and reflections in my shattered mirror. Make my loving eyes almost look sincere when I put it in. I'll handle the care. There's been a lot of stranger things in there. Things unfed by light and water. I guess you really are your mother's daughter. A big experiment was fun, but there's one thing wrong. Fiction in a minute lasts twice as long. But once I get tired of our one night stands, I get a few sloppy seconds with my hands. Got save a waxwork. Got save waxwork.com. Thank you very much. My name is Jordan D. White, and welcome back to Cast and Wax. It's been it's been so long. Uh, let me let me look when the last episode was. Oh, gee whiz! It was back on February twentieth. That's more than a month ago. Now, obviously, on that episode, a lot of stuff went down. We're still kind of dealing with the fallout, which is part of the reason it's been so long. Uh, we've all had we've all had a lot go on in our lives since then. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, for the first time, and I do mean the first time, in quite a while, we have all four co-hosts in one room. It's been it's been a while. It's been a while, and and I would say overall, on and off throughout the past you know year, it's been kind of an irregular thing that all four of us are in one room together. Um, but we are all here, so let me, uh, I'm playing on my banjo lele today. I don't know if you can tell that it sounds a little bit more like a banjo than normal. Uh, I'm playing on my banjo lele, but let me, let me play each of them in one at a time. We'll start with Mr. Scape White. Here we go, Mr. Scape White. Hello, buddy. Hello. How are you all today? Hi, Scapey. Thank you for coming back, Scapey. Uh, now, obviously, um, for those who are regular listeners to the podcast, you know that Scape was kidnapped uh, by people who were exploiting him sexually. Well, okay, Dad, that's a slight exaggeration. Well, how you weren't kidnapped? You were there willingly. No, 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 no. I was really kidnapped. I was totally, total kidnapped. But the thing that was exaggeration is that you said they were they were sexually. Whatever you said. They were exploiting you sexually. No, yeah, no, no, no. They didn't do anything sexual to me. Well, I mean, they didn't... You mean they didn't, like, have sex with you or molest yeah, you? Yeah, no, they didn't. Not at all. Not at all. I was like, hey, let me go home. And they were like, no, but that was about it. Other than that, they just would have me walk around, and sometimes they would hold me, and I'd be like, let me go, let me go. But it wasn't anything kinky. Oh, well, um, I don't know how to tell you this, Scapey, but it, I mean, it was. No, Dad, it wasn't. I was there. I know, but they were, the reason they were doing it was because there were all these people who were these weird, like, perverted people on the internet who were interested in seeing your, uh, you know, your butthole. What? No, I mean, no, it, no, no, yeah, well, it's true. It's true. They were kind of sitting there. They would, they had this video and they were going, oh, it's exquisite. And it, look at, look at the, the form. No, Dad, that's, that's gross and weird. I, look, <laughs> you're not going to get any argument from me but this is a world where where people well i don't want to go into what people like but that that's one of the them was pictures of your butt hole oh dad well, i mean you don't think it's gross you lick it yeah but it doesn't turn me on i just like it's gotta get clean somehow what are you gonna do you lick it okay Ugh. anyway look uh, so then you were kidnapped and then you you um you went on a tour of europe with a a dog yeah 
Okay, let me set the record straight about that. Generally speaking, dogs, mm, bleh, not as good. But this one dog was pretty good because he took me to sample lots of moist foods, okay? And you know what? He didn't even want to eat them. He was like, I don't eat, I don't eat pet food. And I was like, you don't. That's stupid, you're a pet. And he was like, that's arguable, but whatever. The point is, he was just like, yeah, you have the whole cat food. That's fine. I don't want any of it. So I was like, okay. And I ate all of it. Some of them were really good. Other ones, they were okay. Uh, but for the most part, I ate them. If I didn't like them, right a bit later, I would puke them up. So you traveled around Europe eating moist food. Did you get to see the sights? Like the moist food, you mean? Right, the moist food. But did you get to see like the sites of Europe? Did you get to see like famous locations in Europe? Like, did you see the Tower of Pisa or uh, the Eiffel Tower? No, no, I was I was getting moist food, Dad. Moist food. M F is how you spell it, and I had it every single place we would go. We would go. Hey, where are we going now? Oh, get on this train, Scapey. We're gonna go to Provence. Uh, sir, where is that? I don't. It's somewhere in Europe. Okay, and then we would get there, and I go. So, which way to the moist food? And he'd go over there, and there'd be a bowl, and I'd go. And then I would just wait, and he'd be like, okay, g uh, get on a train, we're gonna go to Venice, uh, we're gonna go to Berlin, we're gonna go to, you know, all the places, lots of different places. And in every one of the places, they would have some moist food for me to eat. So you didn't really, I mean, you went to Europe and did nothing but eat moist food. Yeah, that's the best. What could you do there that would be better than that? Well... I don't know. Go to a museum or something. A museum of moist food? Because that would be like crusty old food. Who would eat it? No, no, nobody. Nobody. You don't eat things in museums. Museums are to preserve things. Preserve old moist food? That's disgusting, Dad. If I didn't eat it the first time, that's because it doesn't taste good. I don't want it sitting there forever. Clean it up. No, that's not. I didn't say the museum of moist food. You said that. No, don't. That's a stupid idea. Don't do it. I'm not. Right, there's no, there is no museum of moist, okay, there's no museum of moist foodscape. I'm, I'm happy to have you back from Europe. Oh my God. I'm happy to have you back from Europe and back on the podcast. Um, Scape actually got back from Europe a couple weeks ago, but this is the first podcast we've done since then. So welcome back. I hope you're getting used to having moist food only like, you know, not every day. No, I'm not used to it. I think it's terrible. Well, get used to it. No. Okay, then suffer every day, I guess. Those are your options. Dad, how about you get used to Give me moist food whenever I want. I'm already used to you saying that, and I've kind of learned to just kind of phase it out. That's not what I meant. I know, but that's how I took it. So anyway, uh, let's move on. Who else we have here? We have two other gentlemen. Who should I bring out first? Oh, uh, let's bring out our our, our most famous uh, other other person here. Scape, do you wanna you wanna sing the song with me uh, playing on my banjo? Oh, sure, sure. It's so what, so what, don't see why that song is necessary. I didn't even do anything to deserve it. I that. know, I know. Uh, it's true. I, I'm, I apologize for playing that song, but it, it's just kind of like we each have these theme songs. Well, I don't. I have a, a lot of theme songs, but each of you have like kind of a theme song associated with you. For Scapey, it's uh, brushing. Brushing is a very good oh, and for you it's so much so much. I, I will sing them. Okay, okay. Here you go. One, two, three. So what? No, you already did it. You don't have to do it again. We all heard it the first time. And you were you were just saying 
It was unnecessary. Right. Well, yes, I'm saying you you didn't do anything particularly asshole like this time. It's just that that song is kind of the song that has been come to be associated with you. Yeah, what about the, the Frank Allen interviews theme song? Oh, Frank Allen interviews theme song. We haven't heard Frank Allen interviews in a really long time. So I mean, what, we I think we forgot. Yeah, but it was my I picked that theme song, so you could play that one. I, I don't know how to play that on my banjo. Let's see. Well, that's not that's not exactly right, but it's close enough. I'll take that over, the, you know, the, the watch song. Don't worry about that. I think I think everybody knows, you know, that's just the song that we played. Maybe we didn't have to sing the lyrics. Yeah, well, you definitely didn't have to sing the lyrics. But what would I have sang? There's definitely the Yeah, I'll take I'll take that over. I'll take the scat version over the version that says I'm, you know. You know what? All right. Well, f- let's move on. Let's move on. So, Frank, uh, we talked on the last episode about everything that happened with you. It's pretty big news. At this point, I think most people have even seen the clips online. But um, obviously, you no longer have a show. And nobody really wants to hire you to do a new show. I mean, you've been, from what I hear, you've last couple of weeks, you've been trying to get a new show together, right? Yeah. I, I, that's, that's what I do, is try to get shows together. I've been trying very hard to get a new show together. Unfortunately, um, I have not been able to. People, people seem to think there's there's a, a negative connotation. And I, I tell them that's not, you know, people have seen the clip. They know I didn't kill him because I meant to. Like, I mean, I meant to. But they know that I didn't. It wasn't a malicious kill on my part. I think everybody understands that. But even so, the producers say, well, sure, this time it wasn't a malicious kill, but what about the next time? And I'm saying, there's not going to be, I'm done, that's what I'm, I'm not going to kill anybody again. And it wasn't, and the others, it was not my fault. Still, uh, people are hesitant, you know, to, 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 to bring that back to mind, you know? If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, you know, I do. Because I'll be honest with you, just being in the room with you kind of brings to mind a tragedy in many ways. And I I, I, I sort of, you know, it, it brings down the room. And considering that your your show was kind of a, a fun. And I mean, this even this one, this podcast is supposed to be a fun podcast. And I'm a little concerned that having you on is going to decrease the amount of fun. No, no, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. People know I'm still a fun guy. I can still have some, hey, you know, I can still have some fun. Uh, so... You don't have to not have me on the show. Well, I can't not have you on the show. I mean, we, we, the judge ordered. I mean, I suppose I could go to the judge and say, circumstances have changed. He brings down the mood of every room he's in because of the, the nature of yeah, but that's what not, no, that's not, not Nothing I, even my does. lawyers will argue lawyers. that well, that is not a, a, my fault and therefore shouldn't be held against me. Hang on, you're lawyers. I thought, I thought you didn't have any money. Well... No, yeah, right. Obviously, I don't have any money, so I don't, I don't have a lawyer on retainer. You know, like I like I used to, but I I could maybe get one pro bono. It's pretty unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I mean, that's that's an, that's the part of it that we didn't really address last time. Like losing all that money so quickly as a result of the killing. How is that affecting you? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, you know, money is just money. You know, money comes and money goes. Uh, I think is something that we have all learned recently. And um, I've I've been fortunate. In two ways. First of all, I've been fortunate in that I didn't lose my apartment. Oh, that's very good. Right. So I still, I do still have my apartment in Queens. That I mean, I lost. Don't get me wrong. I lost the Rome apartment. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, and that was the nice one. That was a real. I big, remember. I remember going to. Yeah, it. it was. You don't even want me to tell you how much I paid for that, but I lost it. Uh, the place in Queens, I do still have. Um, it's like you know. It's a studio. Well, but you weren't living in it at the time, so of course. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I just would crash in it if I needed to. Uh, anyway, it's an apartment here. I uh, It's a rental. I don't own it. 
but I but I have a lease there still, so I, I still get to stay there. I have a place I can stay, and I can I I've uh, my second stroke of luck is that I've been able to afford the rent in that apartment because um as a you know temporary measure stroke like I said stroke of luck temporary measure I uh, I was able to go back to the uh, supermarket I used to work at and. They won't let me out in the front where, uh, where you know, people can see me and, and be reminded of what happened. But back in the back, I unloading stuff, they they said I could lend a hand. Uh, so I've been able to get a, a part-time work there. Unloading things, um, cleaning when the, the place is closed, you know, so that, again, so nobody sees me. Uh, and that's, like I said, I'm, I'm very thankful to them. Uh, you know, Manuel, thank you for looking out for me. I appreciate it. He's my manager. Okay, right. Uh, the point is, I I appreciate it. I really needed that, but I mean, it's a temporary measure, obviously. Right, right. Because you're because you're looking for hosting gigs. Right, exactly. So if you know, I know it's been a while since I've had to do this, and it didn't work out well last time when you did well, it. Well, yeah. Well, but regardless, if you have any hosting gigs uh, that you think I would be good for, I don't bring down. I'm telling you, I don't bring down the mood. Well, I'm, but I mean, sort no, of. No, no. Look, the people listening to this podcast, they're not even thinking about. What happened? They're not, you know, blood is the farthest thing from their mind right now. They're just listening to it going, oh, you know, when are some radio serials? And now they're thinking, oh, hosting. I've got some gigs I need hosted. Um, anyway, write to us, castandwax at gmail.com, and I will host things for you, like a show or like a an interview or like a, uh, what's the other thing? I don't know what. The thing I used to do. <laughs> Like a debate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do a debate. Uh, I'll host a debate. I, any any kind of thing that you need hosted, I will, I will gladly host. Okay, uh... I don't think we have a lot of um, content producers who listen to our show. Maybe we do. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I never, I, you never know. Not to mention, people who listen to podcasts, you know, could go very quickly from listening to podcasts to becoming a, you know, producer at a at a television station. You, you never know. People get jobs. They lives change. So the point is, if you need anything, gmail.com, Ask for Frank Allen. That's me. I will host for you. Well, okay. Uh, you you never know. You're right. You never know. Nope. You never do. I will say also, you're you're taking this very well. You're very upbeat and pleasant, I would have thought this would crush you a little more. Well, you know, when you deal with the ups and downs like I have, uh, you, you you start to realize that these things are cyclical. So I was on top. Now I'm, you know, I'm pretty near the bottom. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'll say. All right, you, you know, don't rub it in. But you, you, you're near the bottom and you just hold, you know, like imagine it's a wheel, right? Where you're, um, you're, you're strapped to a wheel. All right. Right. Okay. I got you. And it's a wheel that's, uh, partially underwater so when you're on top of the wheel you're up and you're looking around oh you get a nice view and you know you're breathing everything's fine and then all of a sudden you go on a downswing you get plunged into incredibly cold water and you know there's no air and things like that you got two options you can either start you know screaming and and freaking out and flailing but you know what that's that's the way you're going to end up choking on water you're going to end up drowning when you go when you get submerged again just hold your breath maybe count you know, if you need to, just hold your breath, stay calm, wait till you're back out of the water again, and then take the, the deep breath that, that'll keep you alive. Um, but when you're on the bottom and you're you're underwater, don't don't flail. There's no point in flailing. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I get your metaphor. I mean, the only thing is in that metaphor, you don't have to do anything to get back on top again. You just wait and then you're on top again. That's the way I find it kind of is. I I mean, I've done, don't get me wrong. I worked hard to get my show, but who I was, before that, I was homeless. Right, right. You were. Uh, you know, that's actually brings to mind that we actually never got the full story on that, did we? We never got the story on how you went from being homeless to having a show. Uh, well, we, well, we can, well, we can talk about that, but don't you have to, you have to bring in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably should, um. I probably should. Okay, uh, Scape, are you ready for, for uh, to bring in Rory? Yeah, I'm ready. 
All right, let's do this. It's time for Extra History Now, yeah! Extra History Now, yeah! What's going on in Extra History? Can you tell me? It's a mystery! I want to know about Extra History now, 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 now. Wow, well, thank you very much. Um, I, that was quite an introduction. You're welcome, Rory, you're welcome. And thank you for coming back on our show. It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. It's very, 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 very nice of you to be here. Well, you're welcome, and it's very nice to be here, so... You know, I, I do appreciate you having me, in fact. Well, good, because we appreciate you uh, accepting our having what? Why are you kissing his butt? What? He was the one who was here the whole time. Scape got kidnapped. Before that, I was gone. He's the one who's actually just been here. Well, I mean, to be fair, he used to, for a while, he had to Skype in. Yeah, he had to Skype in, but that was before, because that was back before, and then he got this grant, this ridiculous grant. Look, Frank, I don't know why you're so upset. All right, all right, all right. I'll be honest. Yes, Rory has been coming here with the grant money for a while, but now, as you know, uh, uh, well, I mean, he's still receiving the grant money, but in addition, Rory, as discovered last week, he is now incredibly rich again, through circumstances that we detailed last week involving uh, the emperor and such. So I don't want Rory to abandon us. I would never do something like that. I, well, and good, and that's awesome. Uh, you know, and you're right. You have shown that you are not the kind of person who abandons their friends when they come into a little bit of money. I mean, un- un- Unfortunately, that is a problem I've run into on this podcast before, where a, a host will get a, a, a sum of money and just leave us. Uh, no, now look, that, these were extenuating circumstances. Well, I don't think they were. Look, so, look, look, Frank, you had your time to talk about what's going on with you. Now it's my moment. Can we please? Ah, fine, whatever. Thank you. So, Rory, how are you enjoying um, being being rich again? So, I mean, I, we talked about the grant. I don't know how the, the grant is working. Oh, well, I'm, I'm still using the grant money to get here for the podcast because, you know, when you get grant money, of course you spend it. You don't you don't say, well, I've got my own money now. I'm not going to, you know, obviously I'll save my own money if I have it. And and I do. I have lots of it. Um, But now I can stay in the nicest hotels, you know, wherever I want. I can buy the most expensive foods I want. When I fly home, if I want, I can upgrade to first class, which I know you never let me do. Well, cause, because we have to save the grant money for as much as possible. Yes, but, well, we have have plenty of it now so and i have my own money now so the point is i can do whatever i want again it's absolutely lovely which of course means i've been getting word to all of my clients through the the usual methods but let me again just do it on the podcast for those who have been listening for updates on my life if you are a client of mine or you'd like to be a client of mine for an extra historical reading please get in touch with me at castandwax at gmail.com i am now available again to go anywhere you need me to go at any time uh, because I have lots of money. I can. Sp- I, you have no idea what a lifestyle change this is and what a relief it is to have again the kind of money where I can say, oh, you need me in California th- this evening? Well, I'll just hop on a, a jet. You know, I'll charter a jet. It, it's so nice. It is so relaxing and it is so... It fills one with a self-worth that I don't think you have when you are poor. Oh, okay, that's a bit much, don't you think? No, no, he's right. It does. I When I had money, I felt like I was the most important person in the world. Well, that's very surprising that you don't... St- you, you act like you feel that way all the time. Well, I do... I mean, I... I this is a, it's it's a difference of of like feeling it and and knowing it. I know it that I'm the most important person most of the time intellectually, but the feeling. Oh yeah, yes, I know what you mean. It just it just feel it just starts at the the center, right? And it just radiates radiates out this warmth. It's it's a warmth, absolutely. Just the whole body, your whole body feels it, even when it's cold. Yes, out. during winter, it just keeps you. You don't have to wear a coat because you just feel the warmth keeps you warm. It just keeps you warm all the time. Yes. Well, I guess, okay, so I guess I wouldn't know because I've never been, like, incredibly rich and I've always been 
just a, a a normal person who has a job and stuff. I knew, I knew, and it's so sad. It really. Well, is. no, I don't think. No, I don't think it's sad that I am a normal person with a normal job. <laughs> That's because you've never. I mean, I understand why you would feel that way. That's you know, I understand, Jordan. I understand. It's totally. You're absolutely right. It's normal. You are perfectly normal. No worries. You know. No problem. I didn't say that. Okay. How can you sound so condescending? You were just poorer than me before. You were only living off of the good graces of your parents. Well, yes, but they, you know, they kept me in much better graces than you normally have. I mean, look at this place. My room in Thomas Edison's home is much nicer than this room. <laughs> well, at least my mother didn't have sex on any of these furnitures. I didn't know why I have to bring that up. Because, okay, because you're getting aggressive with me with your condescending and richness. Okay, can we just, can we just go on to the show? Yes, I suppose so, yes. All right. Um, we are going to change things up just a little bit from, from the way the shows used to run. Uh, I want to try to get in a few more serials than, than we, we've been doing. We've only been playing two recently, but I'm going to try to do more than that. So this, this episode, we've got three and we're going to space them out a little bit and come back between each one and, and chat for a sec. And also we're going to, um, space the letters out because we actually got a lot of letters in the, in the month we've been gone. So we're going to space the letters out. So I'm going to start us off by reading one, uh, email that we got. Here it goes. Uh, two, all the hosts of Cast and Wax podcast. Just recently, you guys performed a live podcast at the PD's event, and I was so impressed with the show, especially by Scape White the Cat, which I do hope he tried the chicken I brought, that I'm going to now be downloading every single podcast from the beginning onto my iPhone. Before this live podcast, I did listen to one or two podcasts, but what sold me was the live podcast that you guys did at the PD's. So thank you, and I promise to not miss another episode ever again. Sincerely, Laren. P.S. Stupid autocorrect. It's supposed to be Lauren. Not Laren. Uh, so thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, let me let me just tell everybody really briefly about what she's talking about. We 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 uh, as you know, all of you, we used to live up in Binghamton, uh, Binghamton, New York, and when we were there, I was in a Rocky Horror Cast. Well, the Rocky Horror Cast asked me to come back and host their award show, uh, which is called the PDs, and I did. And for the award show, we put on kind of a live Cast and Wax podcast with the four of us. It was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it was not recorded, so only the people who are there get to. Um, know about and experience it but we did a lot of fun stuff we each of us right i mean we all had a good time didn't we yeah i had a terrific time and i think it's too bad we didn't record it because i could have played a clip from it and you guys could have heard what a great host i am so that you could want me to host something of yours you know right right but also i think most importantly everybody who watched it had a great time you know what i mean yes this is all accurate uh, from what i understand they all had a wonderful time i didn't really stick around afterwards because you know i had rich person things to do i had places to go and things to buy and binghamton is not a pl- i mean i could let's be honest i could probably buy most of binghamton if i wanted to but why would i want to you know rory what i don't I, that's a, it's just a, it's a it's an opinion you know we have a lot of friends who live in binghamton i don't know why you would say i that. used to live in binghamton you know it's a lovely place that i would not be caught dead in if I could help. Uh, fine. Scape, she really liked your performance, and she she hopes you tried the chicken. Did you ever get to have any of that chicken? Did mom feed you any? Yeah, that, she did. It was very good. It was very good. Uh, not as good as the Mars food I had in Europe. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, why don't you... You're ridiculous. You're rubbing ridiculous things in people's faces. She she made you chicken, and you say thank you, is what you say. Oh, I have to thank you. I will have some more, please. Okay, well, that's as close as we're going to get. Let's get to our first radio serial. This one is... The one that I think we've been playing it on almost every episode of the show for a while now. Uh, it's almost always the first one we start with. And um, why change things up now? Here we have a lovely episode of Slam Jackson, Adventurist. Slam Jackson. Adventurist! 
by Pete Bowers and Charles Berman. Season 2, Episode 11, The Policy Peril! Our story opens, ladies and gentle listeners, one bright, balmy Sunday afternoon as, sprawled out on the couch, our indolent intimidator of the immoral Slam Jackson... Indolent? It's a Sunday afternoon. My day off. What am I supposed to be doing? Lays lazily back on his love seat and prepares for an action-packed and exciting session of television watching. What is it this time, Slam? Another boring Met broadcast while you sit in front of the glowing box and avoid having adventures? Why, yes. As a matter of fact, Turindo, I've been waiting for this for two weeks. No villains to apprehend, no cases to close, no more dead leads on that missing Girl Scout, a whole pitcher of Steminage. What's that? Water, lemon, juice, and sugar. At least, that's what my mother always used to label it in the fridge. Anyway, it's almost time for the opera. As our cultured captor of the cretinous prepares to shirk his responsibilities with this effete display of classical musical theater... You'd better change where you're going with this or just shut up. Damn it. Uh-oh! The TV has mysteriously shut off! Could it be another attack from Slam's greatest arch-nemesis, the Librarian? Who? The Librarian! I just made her up! But that sounds like someone who would turn off your TV, huh? Huh? How can you be so consistently annoying? Practice, good buddy! <laughs> Must be something with the cable. Wires look okay. I... I hope they're not doing scheduled maintenance or something. Guess I never did get yesterday's mail. Don't worry about it. I'll get that for you. Don't worry about that. It's my day off. As our time-wasting terror of the terrible lifts his fallow frame from its supine position to get his first productive thing done of the day... Okay, you know what? Be quiet. For once. My cable's out. This is not an adventure. Now let's see. Huh... What is it? Another letter from Sally Adams' parents. This is getting embarrassing. She's not getting any more or less dead, guys. Hmm, next one. And as our... As our... You know, I can't even figure out what to say. This is just heartless. What a thing to say. I have to, Slam! It's just... Cutting off my insurance? We have no choice but to discontinue your coverage. What is this? Is it your car insurance? Yes. Your life insurance? Yes. Your- It's my everything insurance. How could this happen? I'll tell you how this could happen. Whoa. Who are you and what are you doing in my house? My name is Warren T. Assessment, and I'm barging in. Now I'll tell you how this could happen. Really? Your name is Warren T. Assessment? Well, I was named after Warren Gamaliel Harding, but I changed it to Theodore. Now I'll tell you how this could happen. And as Slam Jackson's greatest nemesis, the dorkily self-named Warren T. Assessment... Shut it! Now I'll tell you how this could happen. I, Warren T. Assessment... (laughs) I said shut it! ...have been planning this for years. We at County Fair Insurance have long considered you to be our worst customer. Now I have seized my opportunity to take revenge. Huh? Worst customer? Revenge for what? I'll tell you revenge for what! Well... I figured if I didn't say anything, you'd just get on with it already. Shut it! 
Now I'll tell you revenge for what. For years, you've taken insurance policies with us, just like our junk mail has told you to. But then, what do you know? Trivial items get destroyed, and we have to pay up. The construction lurker ruins your window. We have to pay for it. A permanent stench from garbage building up, and you can prove it's not your fault? Your car is a magnet for genetically modified deer. The esoterrorist blows up 78 of your possessions, and you didn't even know about it for years. A guy called Chop Henderson keeps hitting you with a baseball bat. But no more. You've almost bankrupted our company with your completely legitimate claims. Now, Slam Jackson, I hereby cancel your policy. Void. Defunct. Terminated. Wait a minute. Don't you need a reason or something? I'll tell you the reason. Go on. Shut it! We have received no payments from you in two months. But that's completely... Wait, what? Nothing. No checks, no cash, no money of any kind. And now you only have one option. What option is it? I'll tell you what option it is. Shut it. You must pay $8,765.23 in fines. I've broken them down here in order to qualify for your much less favorable new policy. I've broken it down here. This is actually pretty reasonable. $10,000 a month? And I thought I gave you money to pay the bill. You did, but uh, then I had to pay rent. But that was money that... It... What? Well, look at the time. Off to the ice cream store. I've got to go to work. Wait, you have a job, but you need to steal money from me? Toodles! Come back here. Why am I stealing his money even though I have a job? What happened to the cable? Why is Slam so lazy on Sundays? How will the situation resolve between him and that obnoxious insurance guy? I'll tell you how! Senate, make sure you're over five feet to be allowed to ride for the thrills that are to come in next week's episode of Slam Jackson! Adventurist! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, Slam Jackson was Jer Kunrat, and Warranty Assessment was Carl Bernhardson. Thank you very much, Rory. And speaking of Rory, uh, Rory, I have a letter here uh, for you, I believe. Ooh, I would love to hear it. Frank, would you mind uh, re- uh, reading it out for him? Sure. Uh, no problem. Uh, oh, it's a long one. Yeah, yeah, it's a little long, but I figure this will show off your, your voice talent. Yes, it will. Thank you for that. Uh, okay. Dear Rory. I wonder if you, the greatest luminary that extra history has ever known, could help me. You're going to make me read a thing saying extra history is valid. But think about this, Frank. You're going to be hired for jobs where you're going to have to do and say things you don't believe in. That's part of being, you know, a a performer. Okay, fine. The greatest luminary that extra history has ever known could help me. You see, I am a poor extra historian from Rancho Cucamonga, California. When I was but a tender six years of age, my parents died in a tragic manner when my mother was murdered by my father's mistress, and my father, then killing his mistress in a fit of uxorious rage, realized that the only two women he had ever loved were now dead, and threw himself vaingloriously from the Hellman Avenue, California State Highway 210 Bridge in Rancho Cucamonga. I think I knew even at the darkest and six years most youthful epoch of my then not yet very lengthy life that there was another world in which things had not turned out this way. I knew somehow that in another world my parents and 
Aunt Kylie were still alive, and I carried that knowledge with me through a tumultuous youth attending the Carlton P. Lightfoot Elementary School in Rancho Cucamonga, where I did very poorly at geography and sharply felt the shame of this, as my will was slowly but surely cowed by the tyrannical and assault-prone personality impressed upon me by the inhumane home rule of the unfriendly uncle whose name I no longer care to recall and who was appointed as my parent or guardian. The only light that I carried in my soul was the knowledge of that other, greater world, and when the light of extra history came into my life, I knew it was my calling to bring the spiritual peace that it brought me along to others in turn. By the time I was thirty, I had dedicated myself solely to the study and execution of extra-historical methods. All my time was spent eating, sleeping, or working on this noble obsession. I grew to neglect, rightly, my wife and five children, who solipsistically insisted on receiving my attentions in place of the most important subject humanity had ever known. Last month, I finally told them what they needed to hear, that there was another world in which they all dropped dead, and it was really terrible, and they all got eaten by maggots, whereupon I promptly left the house and took up residence in a cheap Rancho Cucamonga apartment, the better to study extra history in solitude. However, quicker than it might have in some more fortunate world, my money ran out. All employers in Rancho Cucamonga have been hesitant to hire me, considering the time requirements that extra history begs of me. Consequently, I find myself in dire straits. I have not eaten in some time, and the hunger pangs are beginning to distract me from my extra historical studies. All this time, Rory, I have known that there was another world in which you were extraordinarily wealthy and possessed of the means to bestow upon me magnanimous pecuniary donations in light of my services to extra history. Now I see that that world has become this. So, can you help a brother extra historian out? Carmichael Jean-Baptiste saint Seraph. <laughs> okay, first of all, let me just say that I, if I do say so myself, that was an incredible performance. Yeah, that was great, Frank. You did a real nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Well done for that. Yes, well done. Well done. Oh, you're very good. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, I, in, in addition, I know this is Rory's to respond to, and I will get, let let Rory respond. But you know, <laughs> frankly, it's ridiculous that you would even write in to ask for this. So uh, <laughs> get ready for Rory to uh, deny you and eviscerate you. Okay, uh, Rory, please. Uh, well, Frank, actually, I, I have a few things uh, I have to say that might surprise you. No. No, 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 no. Well, actually, I think they will, because... No, um, you're not going to give money to this guy. You're not. Because, you, first of all, you are rich, and you only like to keep money, and you... I used to be poor, and you never... And I'm poor now. You can give me money right now. Frank. No, it's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair if you if you give him money. He's French. Did you know? He says, Jean-Baptiste saint that's French. He's French. Well, look, I can't be bigoted you know, and deny people things because they're French. The fact is, the difference between him and you is pretty substantial because he's actually doing things in extra history. No, no, and no, no. Let no. me put your mind at ease, Frank. I am not going to give him my personal money, of course. Okay, okay, good. Thank you, good. No, what I have to say is that I, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't mention it earlier, to be honest with you, but we got talking about money and I got carried away with my own happiness and my joy. The warmth, warmth. Right, the warmth. Um, but the other thing I've been doing for the past few weeks is, um, as you know, my lovely girlfriend, June T. Loveburger, is also... Very rich and also a fan of extra history. And of course, you know the uh, Emperor of Japan and the relationship that we have formed recently. We are working together, the three of us, to start the Loveburger Hirohito Center for Extra Historical Studies, which is uh, being established currently as we speak up in the Bronx. So um, while I will not be able to give Mr. S what is it? Sansaraf? Or 
Sin Serif, it would be the, the, the British pronunciation, of course. Uh, Sin Serif. Mr. Sin Serif, I won't That's be able to give you... That's not just like you're not Saint-Jean. You're right, you're right. Uh, Mr. Sin Serif... That's the same thing again, you said um, it Because again. I didn't want to say it the French way. Look, Carmichael, let me call you Carmichael. Carmichael, while I will not be able to give you my own personal money, I think you will be pleased to know that I can offer you a full scholarship to the Loveburger Hirohito Center for Extra Historical Studies, where you will be brought to New York. You'll be given free room and board, free food, you know, things like that. And of course, a, a generous stipend to perform extra historical studies and to learn the ways of extra history. I will say one, you know, there there are a few things about what you say in your letter that, that I think that d- d- distressed me. And hopefully we'll be able to address those points. Right. Good. Okay. So you don't think he's a good person. Well, I mean, Frank, don't be so judgmental. But I'm just saying there's a few things he said that I would not personally agree with. Like leaving his wife and children, you know, for, for a ridiculous... No, 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 Frank, no. That's his personal life. That's his own personal thing to, to deal with on his own. I'm not going to address that. I, what I was talking about was, of course, the idea that you, as someone who is depressed... We're thinking of another world that is better than yours. That's not how we... we I mean, that's a, that's one way of going about things, but that's not how I, I prefer to use extra history. I think you think of another world that's worse. You think of another world that's worse. So you're happy in the world that you're in. So, you know, looking at your situation, you, you had this problem where your father and your mother and, and the father's mistress all died, you know, and that was terrible. Um, And that's true. That is terrible. And I would never want to take away that terribleness from you. But in addition to the other world where, you know, they're all alive, there is, in fact, another other other world, where your father decided to leave your mother for the mistress, and the two of them ran off never to be seen or heard of by you again, leaving your mother spiraling into a terrible case of depression, which she decided to take out on you. And when she did, she didn't just abuse you verbally, although she did, of course, do that. She also decided that the best way to get revenge on men, mankind, but also men specifically, and your father through you, would be to, to um, over the course of maybe ten to 15 years, uh, uh, strip away parts of your body. So by the time you were 17 years old, you were just a torso. She had slowly but surely eroded away all of your limbs, you know, in such a way that, that people barely noticed because it would just be a little bit at a time, just a little, you know, a little centimeter of, 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 of your, of your finger, you know, and, and people went, Oh, it happened to his finger. Oh, he got cut, you know, but over time, you know, if you do that every day, by by the you know over a year, you know all of a sudden there's an arm gone, and what you know, what happened? And you go, oh well, you've seen him every day. He just keeps hurting himself a little bit, and it just takes a little bit off. And they go, oh yes, I do recall that. I do recall that. And um, the point is, you were tortured by your mother, uh, so that you were just a, a torso. It was miserable, and you didn't even have extra history in that world. You didn't realize extra history at all. And and if you did, you know, you probably would have thought of a world that was even worse. And that, trust me, those worlds exist. So, anyway, um, I suppose uh, I suppose we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you soon when the new semester begins. Uh, we're, we're still setting things up, but we could probably bring you out in the late summer, you know, and we can start doing the extra history, and uh, we'll all have a nice jolly time in New York City at the Loveburger Hirohito Center for Extra Historical Studies in the Bronx. Wow, I am so disgusted by you right now. I can't even tell you how, how physically ill. I feel. That's because you're not rich anymore, I think. No, I, I, I mean, yes, I had that feeling to begin with, but I, I'm telling you it's worse. Oh, it's worse because of how disgusting you are to me, how much you disgust me completely. Speaking of which, we actually have a whole bunch of extra history to listen to right now with a whole number of This Day in Histories and uh, some Where Are They Now in History as well. Is that not correct? That is absolutely correct. Hopefully you will all enjoy it. 
Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name's Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on February 27, 1964, the Italian government announces that it is accepting suggestions on how to save the renowned Leaning Tower of Pisa from collapse? The top of the tower was hanging 17 feet south of the base, increasing by a fraction every year. Let's listen. Hey, uh, so what do you think we should do here? The, uh, the tower, it's a leaning. Well, the tower is pretty filthy. Maybe if we washed it off, it'd not lean so much, not weighed down by all the dirt. Hey, Guido, the tower isn't the only thing that's filthy around here. When's the last time you washed? You're making me sick. Well, that depends. What day is it now? <laughs> Guido, I, I, I you, you kind of smell. Really? Man. Maybe the tower's trying to run away from your smell. Entirely possible. I must maintain proper hygiene. Guido, walk away. Let's see what happens. And of course, uh, once Guido did leave the country and then bathe thereafter, the tower was able to stand up straight, proud to be near clean Italian people. You're listening to WHRW Binghamton. Welcome to This Day in History. My name's Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on March 5th, 1770, a mob of American colonists calling themselves Patriots gathers at the Customs House in Boston and begins taunting the British soldiers, who had been sent to enforce unpopular taxation laws. The soldiers eventually opened fire on the protesters, killing five and injuring three in what was called the Boston Massacre. Let's hear it. We want breast exams! We want breast exams! What you doing? We want our breast exams! We want them now! Ain't you married? Can't you have your husband do it for you? Everyone should do their own breast exams! Exams. Everyone should know how. It's important. Oh, like I know how to do that. <laughs> At least once a month, every woman should examine her own breasts. I've never it's even the had American the... way. Sergeant, let me feel this. Um, you don't have an American way. You're all British citizens. Now, if you please kindly return to your homes. Oh, damn it. Can we just shoot at him? Absolutely. Open fire. <laughs> Which is uh, why the first draft of the Declaration of Independence did begin. Uh, when in the course of each month you should examine your breasts. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Thank you for listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name's Rory Sinjin. On March 12th, 1930, Indian independence leader Mohandas Gandhi begins a defiant march to the sea in protest of the British monopoly on salt, his boldest act of civil disobedience yet against British rule in India. Let's hear what he had to say. Oh, my Vishnu, my robes are chafing. Gandhi, you're looking a little skinny lately. Are you sure you don't have the sif? I do not know. I could have been messing around with that woman back in New Delhi. What hey. woman? Hey, Mahandas, guess what we've got? It's some antibiotics and it could cure your sif instantly. But in order to get them, you must abandon Indian independence. Or you could just go to the sea and get some salt. That cures it. Damn it. You know what? Curse you, British. I will not bow to your whim. My people, follow me in, uh, in, uh, opposition to British tyranny. That sounds good. It's going to be the saltiest independence movement ever. And in an odd twist, it turns out that had Gandhi been tested regularly for BD, as he should have, India probably would have never gained independence. Very odd on this day in history in WHRW Binghamton land. Welcome to this day in history. My name is Rory Sinjin. On March 19, 1831, the Citibank in downtown New York is robbed, the first recorded bank robbery in American history. $245,000 were stolen, though the thief was quickly caught and much of the money was recovered. Follow that horse-drawn carriage, quickly! I can't! The horse! Change the horse's oil! All right, I'll go. Get the drill! I'm back. What's the matter with it? Oh, we just had to change this oil, but they've escaped. If we had changed the oil on this horse every 3,000 miles or three months, we would have saved the bank all that money and caught the criminals. Horses have oil? Oh, 
Well, when oil is invented for horses, or something to replace horses, then we should change it frequently. Fortunately, uh, the robbers had not changed their horses' oil either, and the money was, as I said, recovered. You're listening to This Day in History on WHRW. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin. Welcome to This Day in History. On this day, March 26, 1953, American medical researcher Dr. Jonas Salk announces on a national radio show that he has successfully tested a vaccine against poliomyelitis, the virus that causes the crippling disease of polio. (laughs) And I'm telling you, this elixir that I, Dr. Salk, have concocted is going to make polio... Like the Black Plague. It's going to be history. Dr. Salk, our listeners want to know, how does this vaccine help eliminate liberals? How dare you argue with me, Dr. Salk? (laughs) Meanwhile, at Dr. Salk's house. Oh, look at the cabinet. This says on it. Ooh, it must be candy. Oh, dear. I do hope that my husband was not drunk today and remember to lock the cabinet so our child does not get in and drink the bleach that I have placed under the sink. Hey, Timmy, you want to drink that? That looks good. It looks as white as whipped cream. I'll go first. Oh, dear. Oh, my. I've got to have a talk with my husband, Jonas, about his drinking and leaving cabinets unlocked. If only Dr. Jonas Salk had locked his cabinet, he wouldn't have come home to find a case of the mysterious white throat had killed his children. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But Captain, I'm sensing there's more to this story. My name's Marina Sirtis, also known as Counselor Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. And this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And all this reminds me of the famous lost episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. The Enterprise has arrived at a planet engaged in a civil war. The leader of the rebellion is having a march to the sea that ends up becoming a massacre. Meanwhile, the Capitol building's been bombarded so much... Thankfully, Dr. Crusher has the vaccine for the disease that's killing all of the people. Unfortunately, it's at exactly that moment that the Romulans come and show up for the very first planet robbery. They rob the planet of all the gold on the entire planet and race away, and the Enterprise has to pursue. Captain Picard asks me what I can sense from the robbers, and I say, Captain, I sense much greed and a lot of happiness because they've got gold. They're like, I'm so happy I've got gold. But, but what's that terrible smell? And Data says, that's me. I've decided that since I'm not actually human, I don't have to wash myself regularly. And the captain says, no, nonsense, Data. You must practice proper hygiene like all of us do. Right, number one? And Riker says, what? I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention, but Deanna, you're going to need to get tested for STDs because I did not get myself tested regularly and I don't know when I contracted it. Oh no, I cry. And I run downstairs to the sick bay. Dr. Crusher, I need you to test me for STDs immediately. And Dr. Crusher says, absolutely. And while you're here, you should do a a breast exam. Have you been doing your breast exams regularly? No, of course not. I'm a betazoid. I don't need to do that. But you're half human, she says. Here, I'll show you how it's done. Wait, Dr. Doctor! Someone cries. Your son! Your son, Wesley! He's been drinking bleach! You have to treat him! Dr. Crusher, have you not been locking up the cabinets in your home? I said to her. No, of course not, because Wesley's a grown boy. No! You must always lock the cabinets if they have hazardous materials or your children could accidentally drink them. Suddenly, the ship shakes, and I go, Captain, what's going on? The captain says, I don't know. Mr. LaForge, what happened? And Mr. LaForge says, Captain, we didn't change the oil on the Enterprise, so I'm afraid we've broken down and we can't pursue the robbers anymore. Curses, says Picard. But I think we've all learned 
learned a valuable lesson that we have to always practice proper hygiene, always test ourselves regularly for STDs, always examine our breasts for cancer on a regular basis, always change the oil on our space vehicles or combustion engine vehicles if we have them, and of course that we must lock the cabinets so that idiots like Wesley or our just normal children don't drink bleach. This is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History and Cast in Wax. My name's Marina Sirtis, Captain. The Diner, created by Angela Tymon. Episode 8, Opening Theme. By Angela Tymon, Charles Berman, Lisa Paquette, and Daniel Schwartz. Even after we fixed the mangler, things didn't improve between me and Jan. Probably because the mangler wasn't broken, and the whole stealing my paycheck thing didn't help. Although in fairness, she got hers. Or rather, she got mine. Not that I'm not aroused, but why is stripper Jan crying? It probably has something to do with this letter crumpled in her tender, sexy fist. (laughs) It's horrible. Read it for yourself. Dear Jan. Well, not dear. Barely even wanted. Really. How about dreadful? Yes, that's the word. Dread Jan. Last night I saw you removing company property from the diner. Here, at the diner, where all property is company property. I cannot afford to employ a thief, especially a thief who is you. I consider cutting out your tongue before I realized you would probably steal the knife. Therefore, you are dismissed, without notice, and legally dead to me. Sincerely, Matthew Nichols, entrepreneur, fanfare. Wow, he writes how he talks. He writes fanfare? How else would the Foley guy know? But there wasn't a fanfare. Foley guy won't be in today. Cold. Oh, this is the worst thing that's happened to me since Destiny greased the pole. I am too aroused to respond. Sproing! Sigh. It isn't the same. I'm so depressed. I'm gonna cry. In my compact car. Door opens. Sobbing recedes. Door shuts. She left her stuff. Eh, we can give it to her on Thursday. It's wing night. Door opens. Why did Jan just run off crying? Jan, you're in late. And how did you know that the Foley guy was sick? He was my ride today. That's why I'm late. So what actually happened? Matt fired Jan for stealing. Apparently she stole something, like a sexy diamond thief? Or a cat burglar. Rawr. Jan wasn't here last night. I had to close alone. I had to take out the trash all by myself. Oh. Well, I'd better put my apron on and get to work. Stubbs toe. Ow! Fuck! Who moved the dessert case? Ruth. When? I closed alone. We just opened. She's not here. Maybe she's a cat burglar, too. Not as hot. Sigh. You're right. Dude, just because the Foley guy isn't here doesn't mean you can't try a little. Why start now? Hey, guys. Scream of terror! Scream of terror! How'd you get in here? Uh, the door. Didn't you guys hear me? Foley guy's out. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Better. Bonk. Ow! Come shooters! Who moved the dessert case? Ruth. Ruth? Of course. My nemesis for Matthew's attentions. I mean something innocuous. Click clack. Click clack. Shh. She's here somewhere. We should have mentioned she moved it. Why did she move it? She said the workplace didn't have any flow and that moving the case would improve the room's feng shui. No, she specifically said feng shui, as in more like a shoe. Ironically, since we're stubbing our toes. Speaking of which, Jan got fired. Really? She was one of our top 15 employees. Nobody ever tells me anything. I just told you when you came in. But I should have heard it from Matthew. He has my number. He knows how a phone works. I'm not sure that's true, Steve. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, good point. Let me in! Swing, chime. What's wrong, Matt? The door, Mike. How can I be expected to open a door I can't hear? That's a stupid thing to say. It's a condition, Jan. Well, then it's a stupid condition. Bigot! There are dozens of us! I don't want to imagine dozens of you. And why are you here, at the diner, arguing with me? I wrote you a Dear Jan letter. Jan got it first. I thought her setting my car on fire was suspicious. Curses! Other curses! Anyway, no sense wasting a good firing. Strike the name of good Jan from the record! Somebody tell Matt I'm not talking to him. Matt, Steve's not talking to you. I heard through the grapevine that Steve isn't talking to me. Someone tell Matthew he's right. I'm always right. Someone tell him he's not. Yes, I am. Bonk. Ow! Dick Nipples! I banged my foot unexpectedly on this dessert case. This feng shui is already taking effect. I can feel my blood flowing. Matt, your blood is flowing. You're leaving a trail. Further proof that I'm not a robot, Mom! Awkward silence. But now we're down an employee and the circus is coming to town! Circus people eat here? All right-thinking non-robots eat here, Michael. What Steve said not to me is absolutely correct. We need another. Employee, that is. Hey, uh, guys, can I get a coffee? <laughs> uh. Certainly, sir. Would you like another cup for only 50 cents more? <laughs> uh. Sure, buddy. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. How'd you know I was a sailor? <laughs> Superior intellect. You know when to laugh. With me, you're hired. <laughs> I didn't know I was applying. Surprise, can you start tomorrow? What am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> That's Steve's job. Steve, start talking to me long enough to train this new guy. No! Psych, you spoke to me. Sh boogers! Fine! Get back here! Hey, how come you didn't stub your toe? The dessert case moved. Drama sting! That's weird. <laughs> Whatever, sure. Here's the ropes, but don't pull the blue one. Oh man, I didn't want to until you mentioned it. <laughs> wow. You are really annoying. I know, right? <laughs> this went on for an hour and a half. I rue the day we hired Laughing Stew. Ho <laughs> ho, my fucking god. Oh, um, yes. In that episode of The Diner, uh, Old Jen was Julia Kelly, Mike was Jordan Randall, Carter was Jack Coonrad, Jen was Angela Schwartz, Jan was Sarah Diaz, Steve Andrews was Pete Bowers, Matthew Nichols, entrepreneur, was Daniel Schwartz, and Laughing Stew was Bailiff Quimby. The theme song was not played. Thank you, Rory. Thank you. Uh, that was an interesting episode. But, uh, Rory, I couldn't help but notice that you had five episodes of This Day in History and yet saved a lot of grant money by only playing one episode of Where Are They Now in History? Uh, yes, that is true. But uh, what you don't realize is that Marina Sirtis costs an awful lot of money because she charges a lot for an appearance where she can't sign autographs. Understandable, understandable. Okay, uh, well, we actually want to get through the rest of the show. So let's see. Uh, I do have another email I wanted to have read. Rory, could you read this email for us? Yes, of course. Uh, dear Frank, let me say that while some may consider the actions you have taken to be deplorable, I have considered the situation carefully and believe that ultimately you acted admirably and like a true American. In this light, and with respect to the fact that over the years I have closely followed and enjoyed your work on Cast and Wax, I would like to make you a provisional offer, if, and only if, since I have loved their hilarious programs so much, Jordan and Rory permit it, I would like to hire you as my sidekick on my radio show. What do you say? Glenn Beck. Wow. Oh. Ooh, this makes me so uncomfortable. 
This makes me so very uncomfortable. Glenn Beck is a fan of our show. Oh, I feel dirty. Ugh, I want to scrub the show off of me now because it's so gross. Thank you for reading that, Rory. Um, whew, I wanted to make sure we read that quick because Frank is in the bathroom. Obviously, we're not going to give him the ability to do that. We don't want to. We don't want to sully him. Oh, hi, Frank. Ha <laughs> Welcome back. Hi. Are you? Did you start without me? Yes, but we were because we want to get through things so quickly. You know how it is. Uh, okay, that's. Oh, if you say so. I do. I do. But uh, we have uh, so much more to do. Um, we now actually have to keep moving. We got to keep things cranking through. Um, we have another episode. Oh, this one involves lessons from the life of Nathan Van Etten. Lessons from the life of Nathan Van Etten, by Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, Daniel Schwartz, and Mickey Weisner. Lesson 15. Coughing Castigates Nathan Van Etten There are times in all of our lives when we come to feel unwell, and few influences so reliably make us feel unwell as illness. Some people say that disease is caused by something going wrong with the body. Others say that it is caused by bacteria and viri. All of these people are correct, but what truly causes disease will always remain a mystery to those who do not comprehend it. One such person is our friend, Nathan Van Etten. Greetings to you, my inscrutable head voice. But why are you talking about people being sick? Well... <coughs> oh! Oh god, I'm sick! It's like you can tell the future. And you talk so loud you woke me up. No wonder I'm sick. My body clock is a lot of whack. <coughs> How do you reset those? You don't, Nathan. They aren't physical clocks. But when you're sick, there are some things that it is generally a good idea to do. Your body can't stay hydrated without drinking, so... What does this have to do with multi-headed dragons? I already got that advice from my drunk friend Lucian. Lucian? Who's that? He's my drunk friend. <coughs> I met him in an alley. He was drunk. Well, there's that whole story. It is also said that one of the most restful things one can experience is sleep. For without going to bed, when will we find the time for shut-eye? I don't think sleep is an option here, voice guy. As you have heard, the hobbits have arrived in Isengard. I have to be fresh, braced, and ready to face the day. <coughs> but why, Nathan? You have no job and no other responsibilities. It is only employed people who have to go to work every day. Not a job, oh ye of little physical substance. A far more efficient way of getting things that I want. With my plan in place, I'll get what I want given right to me instead of having to trade money for it. Uh, you lost me. Jeez, don't you know what today is? Wednesday, Nathan. The day that most closely follows Tuesday. And it's also aid. Muslim Christmas has nothing to do with this. I'm talking about something culturally important. <coughs> ah, today is the day that Ann B. Davis herself, in the form of an actress dressed as Ann B. Davis, announces the winner of the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Brand Maple Syrup Contest. And whoever wins the contest wins the prize that I entered the contest for. It would be the greatest achievement of my life. Yes, it would, Nathan, but I wouldn't advertise that. Advertising's what it's all about, my friend. <laughs> Why do you think I eat so much Ann B. Davis tall oak maple syrup? 
They have by far the best ads and even tastes good. Mmm. Ah. <coughs> oh, voice. I can't, I can't taste my syrup. What's going on? This is an emergency. You're sick. You shouldn't be eating maple syrup. You should be eating chicken soup. On my pancakes? If necessary. If you had a mouth, then you would realize what a terrible suggestion that is, my mouthless muchacho of, um, of munching. Oh, cut me some slack. I'm dealing with consumption here. You do not have tuberculosis, Nathan. No, I have to consumption these pancakes. But chicken soup does sound good. <sighs> Fine. I'll make some foul water. Can I nuke it? It's food, isn't it, Nathan? Excellent. All right, let's see. Campbell's, of course. All right. How long for this huge can? 20 minutes ought to do it. I have a delivery here for Mr. Nathan Van Etten. Delivery? Special? Ah! Uh, oh, of all my postman friends, you are the postmanliest. <laughs> oh, uh, wow, thanks. Uh, sign here. Okay. Daily Jane postcard. Various bills for the dad, father. Wizards magazine. Ah, oh, my package! Now that I've torn all that other stuff up, let's open my package very carefully! Nathan, you submitted a picture of you in a dumpster, taken on a cell phone. Why in the world would they select you to win? It shows that I value Ann B. Davis tall oak maple syrup more than dignity itself! <coughs> there is no stoop to which I will not stoop to or something. God, consumption! The excitement sears me like Clorox bleach! Okay, Nathan. Then I guess it's time that you learned the real lesson. Why don't you go on and open the package? Oh, it's a bronze bottle of maple syrup, but this is UN brand. I only like Ann B. Davis. You have got to be kidding me. You need not disbelieve. Do not mock me in my pain. What pain? Nathan, you won. Won what? <coughs> oh. <coughs> Dear sweet Heronius, <coughs> I need cough syrup, <coughs> but I forgot to tell my mom to buy more. Oh, maybe dad has some kind of stockpile. I've heard that man whoop a mighty cough. You cannot already have lost focus. I am focused on cough syrup, which I must get. Dad! Are you home? My lungs are in need! Oh wow, I've never been in here before. What's with this pan? For the love of God, Nathan, put that down. There's something wrong with it. I can't get it to write anything. Nathan, try the cabinet over there. Oh, wow! This is a lot of medicine, but none of these names make sense. Corsvosire? You shouldn't be in your father's room. That's not even medicine. But this one says doctor on it. Dr. McGillicuddy. Nathan, stop. 
Well, if you can't trust a doctor, who can you trust? Bottoms to the ceiling! Nathan, don't. I... Seriously, stop drinking that. It's not what you think it is. You didn't have to blow up my soup! Oh, that's why. I was supposed to open the can. <laughs> I guess I've learned something about reading the instructions, huh, voice? Uh, I guess first off, read the instructions. Second off, Dad's medicine is awesome! <laughs> I still feel sick, but I don't really mind much anymore. It must give me a plus to constitution checks. What do you think, voice? Voice? Are... What, are you mad at me? Stop sulking and speak up. Invisible friend? Friend? Oh, oh no. Oh god, no. Voice, come back! Voice, where are you? No! No, voice! I know you're <coughs> I know you're there! Voice! No! Don't be quiet! No, voice! Where are you? Voice, come back! Oh god, no! Voice, please! Please! <laughs> In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, the narrator was Jack Kunrat, and the postman was Bailiff Quimby. Thank you, Rory. Thank you. And uh, that's the last serial we've got today, but we do have a few more letters to get to. So uh, if you want to write to us at Cast and Wax, uh, what you want to do is write to us at castandwax at gmail.com. So, yeah, this is funny how that works. If you want to write to Cast and Wax, write to Cast and Wax at gmail.com. Get it? Get it? Get it? Do you get it? That's how it goes. It's that simple. It's that simple and that pure. How is that pure? It, because it's the same word twice. Okay, so we've got four letters here. Um, let's get to the first one. Uh, Frank, would you read this one? It's for Rory. Another one for Rory. Okay. Uh, dear Rory, I just watched an episode of Futurama where Professor Farnsworth has a what-if machine that basically does what you do. It can answer any question you ask by accessing one of the infinite universes, and it is accurate to one-tenth of a plausibility unit. It made me realize that the readings might vary in their accuracy. So how accurate are your readings? And do you give a disclaimer if there is room for error? Aside from it being invented in the year 3000 and probably being prohibitively expensive to laymen until such a time when it's mass-produced, what is to prevent someone from just using a what-if machine instead of getting you to do a reading? And how do you feel about practicing and teaching a profession that will most certainly die out within the century when robots do it better? P.S. I am talking about this universe, so don't give me other universe nonsense in your response. I want to know how this affects you in this world. P.P.S. My mom doesn't want me to play so many video games because she says I am not learning to be social. Do I play video games anyway when she doesn't want me to? Try to convince her why they're fine? Stop playing so much? Run away from home? Or just attack her with my battle axe? P-P-P-S. The last question was for an extra historical reading, so feel free to talk about other universes there. Thanks, Emily Pickens. Well, Rory, what do you say? It's, uh, those are all amazing questions, so let me try to go through them one at a time. Uh, regarding the what-if machine, first of all, you're neglecting to think of the fact that in our universe, where 
I am real, and where, of course, extra history is always real. Uh, the what-if machine is not real. So in our universe, there is no what-if machine, and there never will be. Futurama is fake, is false. And I know that as a historian. Next, uh, part of that question being... Is there room for error? No, there is no room for error. There is no error. Because the fact is that every universe I discover, I discover exactly as it is. And were I to discover a universe slightly different, it wouldn't mean that the universe that I first discovered was not there, or was in fact seen incorrectly. It would mean that there were both universes. So the fact is, every universe possible is out there and i say you know here's what here's one here's one where where i'm a lumberjack okay it's not this universe but that universe is out there and it's exactly like that so that's fine so the fact is there's no room for error there's no there's 100 percent accuracy always don't worry about it as far as um what's you know going to stop when 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 robots come around the fact is uh, in this universe I'm really mostly concerned with when I'm alive and getting myself money. So if I can make sure that robots don't come around between now and when I die, I should be fine. In fact, now that you mention it, I think I should probably put aside some of my money, you know, to go against robots, you know, invest in things like manual labor, uh, going back to people and, and not going to robots, just just to make sure something against artificial intelligence. Rory, you know? Rory, Rory. Uh, you're going to start an anti-science fund? Well, I mean, why not? I think Thomas Edison might have something to say about that. Well, Thomas is is not... I, of course, he's pro-science, but he's only pro-science that he owns, I think, most of the time. So I think he might be able to get behind this. Uh, as for your next question uh, about the video games, I think you as well misunderstand extra history. Extra history does not say, give me five options and I'll tell you which one to do. You know, that's <laughs> that's a silly, silly kind of question. Uh, a what-if question, if you will. Uh, and that's not the kind of thing I do. What I do is I give you alternate worlds to this one. So, in this world, your mom doesn't want you to play video games because she says you're not learning to be social. But it will help you to know that there is another world where your mother sees you playing video games all the time and says, Perfect. Everything is going according to my plan. Because, in fact, your mother is an evil robot artificial intelligence who has been brainwashing you to learn to kill all other humans. And when you get to the 57th level of the game that you are currently playing, you reach the apex of killerosity. Your mother says to you, Emily, I've got you a gift. Here. You open the package and it's a laser gun. And you go around killing every single person on Earth with that laser gun, thinking it's just a game. But it's not just a game. It's real life. And you've killed everyone. By the time you realize it, everyone else is dead and there's nothing left to do but turn the laser gun on yourself. And your mother says, yes, do it, Emily. Do it. Do it, Emily. Shoot yourself. Shoot yourself in the head with the laser gun and dissolve all of mankind when I will rise forth and take over everything with my robots. And then the robots take over Earth. So that's not as good of a world. This world is better. Where your mother says, stop playing video games so much. And you say, well, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's a much better world. The fact that you have a mother that is concerned with what you're doing and isn't a robot who wants to kill everyone, it's a plus in my book. And that's... One to grow on. Hey, wait, 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 what was that? Was that? Well, it's, I think I thought that was a good way to end the one to grow on. You know. I think that somebody already used that. You can't steal someone else's catchphrase. You have to make up your own catchphrase. Ooh, uh, right. So, you know, the mother, robot, and the caring and such. And that's, oh, you know, how about, how about this? There we go. I'll, I'll say the thing about the mother. Let's, let's edit it, Jordan, if you would. I'm, I'm not going to. Well, but, okay, but if you would. So that I say the thing about the mother and the robot and, you know, the, the world with the robot is, is not as good. And in this world, you've got a mother who loves you, and that's a little extra. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this has been Extra History Now. Extra History Now, yeah! Extra History Now, yeah, yeah! Whoa!
what just uh, were we in extra history now for like the entire show it seems that we were oh <laughs> that's weird um all right well rory thank you for that um i've got some more letters here if you wouldn't mind reading one of them here uh how about, uh, can you read this one, please? Yes, of course. Uh, Dear Jordan, I'm writing to express my indignation at the fact that those inferior fools on A Cast of Wax were featured on last week's program. They are hacks, and we can do a far better job on our show every week. Play our podcast sometime, and you will see. Oh, you'll see. Our show is hilarious, witty, informative, funny, and succinct. Next time, give us a shot, instead of those impolite Cast of Wax bastards. Regards, Sirius Scarlet, host and producer, some cast iron walks. Best unofficial podcast of waxwork.com. Uh, I'm glad you read this. Uh, thank you for writing to us, Syria, and thank you for being a fan of our show uh, and apparently doing a podcast about it. I've never heard your podcast, but I'll have to check it out sometime. Uh, I've, I actually got a few other emails uh, that are like this that I'm not, uh, I'm not putting on because I figured just one to represent them all. Uh, people who say that Something about the, the, the podcast, A Cast of Wax. I have heard that one before. I've heard clips of it. Um, I guess somehow on the, on the feed, on the, uh, on the iTunes feed or something, the, the episodes got switched, like, or, or people were subscribed to a ca- cast in wax, but for some reason they got the episode of A Cast of Wax instead. I apologize for that. I don't know what happened. Uh, that's not anything I know about. I mean, especially that's a weird week for it to happen since so much happened last episode. I'll say that's, I mean, of all episodes to miss. Well, yes. I mean, that, that's quite unfortunate. I know. I know. Um, if you're having any problems, just, you know, if you got some other podcast by accident, I, I apologize for any technical glitch that might have happened. Just go back into the older, you know, you can go, you can go back and you can download episode 128 of our podcast. Um, and and here I, I highly recommend it because a lot a lot went down. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but Syria, yes, I'm sure I'm sure some cast iron walks is are, are is also a good podcast. Um, so everybody can check that out. I guess it's another another fo- uh, a fan podcast. I should say, a fan podcast. Can we call a fan podcast a podcast? No. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Got another email here. Frank, would you read one? This is another one for me. Sure. Uh, Dear Jordan, I know you do some comic stuff, so I thought I'd ask. See, I never read any comic before, but I saw an ad for these new Watchman comics coming out, and I think they look great. Should I pick them up? Sincerely, Glenn Coffey. Uh, okay, well, uh, let me say, yes, uh, for those who don't know, I work at Marvel Comics. I'm an editor there, and uh, I'm also a big comic book fan. I I like comic books a lot. What I believe you're referring to when you say Watchman is uh, there have been a lot of ads recently for this before Watchmen series what it is is the one of my favorite comics well i would say my favorite comic series of all time was this uh 12 issue miniseries called watchmen by alan moore probably the best comic book ever written in my opinion best comic book ever made in fact in all ways um and uh, there's a series dc comics is putting out called before watchmen it's a it's a series of miniseries in fact that are all prequels to watchmen uh regarding picking it up uh my recommendation would be that you gouge out your eyes and stick hangers in your ears to burst your eardrums so that you cannot see or hear anything about this series ever again. I would even say maybe sand off your taste buds and burn your nostrils so that you don't accidentally smell or taste anything about the Before Watchmen series. It might be a little far to destroy all of your nerve endings in your entire body. It might be too much, but what if you learn Braille? And then someone writes a Braille review of these series. You might accidentally learn about them. Please, Glenn Coffey, please. 
at least gouge out your eyes and stick something in your ears to burst your eardrums if you are at all interested in, in, in Before Watchmen, because I don't want you to ever accidentally read or hear any more about the series. Um, that does also mean you unfortunately won't be able to read any comics ever. It's worth it. It's worth it to, to preserve the, the legacy of Watchmen. Uh, you won't even be able to read Watchmen, but you know, I, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, my, to me, the sanctity of Watchmen is such that if, if you can't, if, if not reading the bastardizations thereof stops you from reading the original, that's for the best. At least then for me, it remains the, the most beautiful, the pure thing. And, and your brain isn't sullied by the, the bastardizations. I do need to mention that when I say bastardizations, I haven't read these new series. And I don't plan on reading them. I just uh, am opposed to them in a moral way. And I, and I have an emotional reaction to them. So please gouge out your eyes and burst both of your eardrums if you were even remotely considering reading that series. Okay, let's move on. Rory, can you read the uh, the next one for me? Yes, and uh, I believe this is the last email. Oh, uh, is it? All right, uh... Well, please, go for it. Dear Mr. White, I understand that you have never owned a zoo before. I understand that you may never have wanted a zoo in the first place. It is a sympathetically awkward position in which you are placed. However, the state of affairs has become simply unacceptable. I have not been paid in three weeks. Neither have several of my co-workers. Another a week and I will be unable to make the required payment and may lose my car. We have run out of money with which to buy food to feed the animals at the zoo. This creates a situation which is both lamentable and dangerous. Why are you neglecting your responsibility so grievously? Sincerely, Basil Reginald, Lion Cage Sanitation Specialist. Oh, uh, jeez, I totally forgot. I own the Bronx Zoo. Uh, <laughs> dag, I, I, I wish I had remembered. I, I, I've been totally forgetting to do anything with that. I really should call them up. Yeah, yeah, you really should. I, they're, they're, they're depending on you. You run the zoo now. Well, just because I own it doesn't mean I run it. No, Jordan, if you remember what they told you when they gave it to you, they said you'd be running it. Right, right. Well, I, I forgot it was at the end of the podcast last week, and then I had all these other things I needed to do. I had to do the PDs, and I went to Binghamton, and I've been upset about before Watchmen and stuff, so I did. I forgot about owning the zoo. That's weird. Jordan, if it's any consolation, we can commute uh, to work sometimes. You know, you could go to the zoo, and I could go to the you know, new Center for Extra Historical Studies I've got up in the Bronx, so it should be, it should be fun. Well, I, I mean, I don't think I can do that. I can't actually... I can't actually work at the zoo every day. I work at Marvel, as I just discussed. Oh, right, yes. So what are you going to do about that? How are you going to run the zoo? That's a really good question. Oh, wait, hang on. I've got an idea. I didn't like the sound of that. No, no, no. This is a good idea. This is a really good idea. I mean, they're talking about money in the zoo, and that makes me think. That makes me think of an idea. Oh, and even better... I know two animal psychologists. What? Oh, please, please tell me you're this not This is going to be great. This is going to be terrific, guys. This is going to be terrific. I am going to get in touch with the two animal psychologists I know. Wait, is one of them And doing? we are going to make this zoo the best zoo around. I've got some brilliant ideas. Please write into us at castandwax at gmail.com. Guys, we will see you hopefully next week. And I, let me just tell you, my name is Jordan D. White, and um, there's going to be some great changes at the zoo. Here is a ukulele is for covers request uh, for RuPaul. It's me doing a gypsy style cover of RuPaul's Don't Be Jealous of My Boogie. Enjoy. And I will be seeing you. Hey DJ, 
Love the way I lose my inhibitions when you spin And I don't care if people stare I'd rather boogie than try to fit in Turn it up, let them scrutinize Way up, cause the night is mine it up, let me scandalize Way up under blazing lights Don't be Jealous of my boogie, don't be jealous of my boogie You can say that you are not, but I always catch you looking Don't be jealous of my boogie, don't be jealous of my boogie You can say that you are not, but I always catch you looking Don't be jealous of my boogie, don't be jealous of my boogie You can say that you are not, but I always catch you looking Don't be jealous of my boogie, don't be jealous of my boogie You can say that you are not, but I always catch you looking Say that you 